0: Now, the book of the Revelation, we got all the way up to verse, like, 7. You know, we look at the first three verses, we look at the first four verses. I'm going to try to finish the whole chapter. Let's pray. We need, we're going to need to pray, right? God bless us, indeed, with your word, the revelation of Jesus Christ. We love him. Oh, my goodness, we just so do. We adore his personage. We love everything about him. And Lord, help us in this insight you've given us, this dramatic insight in the first chapter. Help us to absorb it and be blessed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read the whole chapter like I've been doing. Chapter 1, verse 1 of the book of the Revelation. Give your attention to the reading of the word of God and be blessed thereby. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, Grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the princes of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he hath made us kings and priests unto God, and his Father, to him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which passed him, and all kinds of the earth, shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother, and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice. That spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive for evermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Now, back up, verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega is the first words. You'll see that if you have a red letter Bible, these are the first words in red, Jesus Christ speaking. What does he say? I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending. Are these words of deity, yes, they are. i said in the past, you would have an easier time proving the divinity, the deity, the godness of Jesus Christ. There are more verses in the Bible than there are of God the Father being God. You're saying, what, you don't think God the Father is God? Well, <laughs> I obviously do. We all obviously do. But there are more verses on the divinity, the godhood of Jesus Christ. This being one of them, he says, "I am the Alpha and the Omega." That's the first letters in the, the first and last letters in the Greek alphabet. What are they in Hebrew? The Aleph and the Tau. Uh, that shows up in some curious places in the Old Testament. Remember, we looked at Zechariah last week. Zechariah chapter, it's either 12.10 or 10.12. 10, you can find it easy enough. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. It doesn't say that exactly. It, say, they, it says they shall look upon me. And then it has the Aleph and the Tav. And they're not really connected. So they're not really translated. But if you look in the Hebrew Bible, you'll find that those letters are there. Basically, if we, if we read it in Greek, it would say, they look upon me, Alpha and Omega, Whom they have pierced. Interesting, interesting, interesting. And then the question always comes, if you're reading Zechariah, when did Israel pierce God? Oh, we know when they pierced God. And and when I say Israel, don't take that as like me being anti-Semitic. He died for our iniquity. He was, he was bruised for our iniquity. He was, he was chastis- our, our, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. okay? We, we understand who put Jesus on the cross. You did and I did, okay? Uh, you know, all this debate about oh the Romans, The Jews didn't even have crucifixion. It was the Romans, oh but the Jews were in cahoots with him, and the Jews of the Christ stop all that nonsense. That's, that's biting our toenails over nothing, okay? The scripture tells us that he he was brutalized for our sins. So we understand that. Now here he's just saying, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. All terms of divinity. Whoever this person is talking, it's God, and there's no questions about it. And then let's jump ahead to verse 18. The same personage, I am he that liveth and was dead. God was dead, uh, yes, yes, and we'll get there. So we'll put that aside for now. But this is Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. God gave it to him. God gave this revealing, this revelation, this uncovering to Jesus. And God gave, and Jesus gave, gave it to uh, the angel who gave it to his servants. And I think a lot of times, like we talked in the past, a couple of weeks ago, why do people have such a hard time with the book of the Revelation? One, they don't know their Old Testament. Two, it might not be written to them. Just I'm not saying that cheeky or arrogantly or you know, get born again and see if this doesn't have a lot of more meaning to you. Uh is everyone here in this room born again? Listen, I'm not setting I'm not the one who says stuff like that. But this is going out to people who are listening at home and we have had a lot of downloads of these messages and stuff, and I'm sure that someone's gonna listen to it who's not born again. So and, but they need to be. I, John. Um, we, we understand uh, John to the seven churches, verse 4. I, John. Um, this was written by John. The John. The youngest of the disciples. Uh, is that biblical? Yes. Um, because he was the one on Jesus' right hand at the Seder, the Passover feast. It's the place of the youngest. Okay, we have to put some... Things in our thinking together to come up with that, but it, I think it's a very biblical concept. John's still alive; he's the last one. I, John, who also am your brother. Hey, it's me, John, the apostle, the apostle. Sit up and pay attention. No, 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 none no, of no, that. It's so sweet. I, I, love this. This is just. It, it breaks my John. You know, your brother, your your fellow sufferer. Look at what he's saying. I, John, who am your brother and companion in tribulation. Are you struggling right now? Are you going through it? Are you hot up against it? I got you. I know. I know. I'm feeling you. Hey, I'm in Patmos right now. I I understand a little bit about suffering, you know. Uh, he was sent there, and we'll get there. Well, let's just do it in order. I, John, whom you are brother and companion in tribulation, in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, I was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's a rock. It's out in the uh, Aegean Sea. It's about 20-something miles off the coast of Turkey. Um, some say it was a penal colony, and it was a mine, and, and John had a, you know, uh, was involved in the work of the mine. Some say, no, he had freedom. He came and he went as he pleased, but he was on the island. The emperor Domitian had sentenced him there what his activities were, it's all extra-biblical, so it's all very hypothetical. We have to look at other people's writings, and people, different people say different things. Have you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? And then later on, if you ever read uh, Jesus Freaks? They have him being boiled in oil, and it didn't take, he didn't die. And after that, the emperor, again, being uh, Domitian, sent him off to this isle called Patmos. Uh, Hippolytus in the second century, early in the second century, wrote these things. Uh, a lot of people think, well, that's just fanciful. That's just—it's not biblical. So believe what you will. I send it out there for what you make of it. Uh, do I know these things to be true? Like I say, I, I taught a lot of things without without doing all the homework in the past. So when things are kind of a little bit specious and and maybe. I'll offer them as maybe, okay? And I won't say, well, this is what we know. Uh, We don't even know it was really Domitian. Not scripturally, we don't. Uh, He was the brother of um, the uh, general um, Titus Vespasian who sacked Jerusalem and burned it to the ground. He's the brother, um, Domitian. And he was a persecutor of Christians. Again, extra-biblical. But he sends uh, John this isle called Patmos. And he's there specifically for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm being punished. I'm sent here. It's kind of like jail island, I mean, for, for his purposes. Um, and he's not in Ephesus. He's not uh, teaching in the Ephesian church right now. He's off, like I say, in this prison island for the Word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, he's our companion in tribulation. Are we going to experience tribulation in the coming days? I hope not. I'd be really surprised. I heard a prophecy yesterday. I took the time to listen to one of these YouTube things. and you got a prophet, and I'm not even going to tell you where. I You have to judge for yourself. And he says, good times ahead. And he prophesied that the, you know, the, the outcome, of the election is going to be overturned blah, 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 and and he started saying something that has, it's kind of, he date stamped it, like, this is going to happen at such and such a time within, starting in the next week, so we'll see if he's a false prophet or not, but he was like, oh, it's going to be a great time, is it? Boy, I hope he's right. (laughs) It looks to me like tough sledding ahead for the Church of Jesus Christ. Will we be, will we be in the penalty box? Will we be persecuted for our faith in Jesus Christ? We are now, it's one degree or another. It's, it's binary in America, uh, for Christ or against Christ. Is there any warm, gray, like, middle? It's it's kind of melting away. People are hot, people are cold. The, the lukewarmness about Christianity is a kind of a thing of the past. Will we be persecuted? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. I hope not. But here's what me and Susan said. We've talked about this a lot. In for a penny, in for a pound. We're all about Jesus. If it means death, today's a good time to die. If it means, you say, oh, oh you can act all courageous, stuff like that, but when it comes right down to it, oh, listen, listen, listen. 1980, February 14th, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I understood something then. Living for Jesus it may at some point mean dying, may mean dying for Jesus. That's a choice I made long ago. And I've made it like a thousand times since. I love to live in his blessing and his plenty, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who knows what tomorrow's going to bring, but whatever, right? I, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know. You know, governments and, and politicians, they come and go. Our faith in Jesus Christ has to be absolute. Look, I don't, whoever they elect, whether it's, it's stolen, whether he's the duly I, I don't know these things. I mean, I don't... I have my suspicions. I don't know these things. What I do know? Jesus Christ is the Lord of the universe, and I have bent my knee to him, and I'm not going back. So persecution be damned, full speed ahead. We're, we're in this for, for the long haul. Uh, all those who would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We've all suffered to one degree or another. Well, John here, he's in Patmos, and he, but he's saying, I'm feeling it. I understand what it is to be persecuted. Uh, I'm, in, I'm there right now. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Wow. (laughs) This trumpet guy speaking. What's that all about? Well, we're going to get into that a little bit. He's in the Spirit on the Lord's day. A lot of people want to make a lot of this. So he's in a, you know, not in the flesh. He's in the Spirit. Like, like, you know how you pray in the Spirit and you're still in the flesh when you pray in the Spirit, right? Uh, there's a lot of, you know, in the Spirit can mean like it's, it's kind of a vague statement. But, the Lord's Day, is a little bit vague. So some people, okay, so here he is on the Lord's Day, Sunday, and he's having a high time, he's all spiritual, and he's thinking about the Lord and worshiping the Lord. And some people, because they're Sabbatarians, like, no, the, the day of the Lord is Saturday, and it has been right through, and it's a, a commandment, and blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's either one of those things. It's, you would have something, if you were to read this, it's an adjective, and it would be like the Lordy Day. If That helps. Or the phrase that we see all through the Old Testament, the day of the Lord. And I think that's what he's talking about. It's the only place found in the New Testament. I was in the Spirit on the day of the Lord. So what day of the week was it? Does it matter? Uh, whatever. Make it whatever you want. Make yourself happy. But he's in the, he's in the day of the Lord and he's in the Spirit. I think he's not in his body. I think he's in the Spirit. Like, Like, an out-of-body experience, you think? Not, that's kind of typical in Scripture. Paul goes to heaven, whether in the body or out of the body. I can't say. You know, we're reading to Ezekiel. God grabs him by the hair and takes him to Jerusalem. Was that, like, a physical journey? Was he really in Jerusalem? I think he was in the Spirit. Was he? Was he physically there? You're saying, Adam, you believe in out-of-body experiences? I, I don't know what I believe. I think John's having something that's more than just I think he's in the spirit on the Lord's Day. You do it that way, you will, okay? Let's keep moving. On the day of the Lord. I think he's in the spirit on the day of the Lord. By the way, that's at least two thousand years removed from Patmos, right? So he's traveling forward in time, and you can't get uh, away from that. When he, in chapter four and chapter five, he's seeing things that won't happen for two thousand years. How does he do that? In this, in the flash. Is it just a vision, like uh, like a movie that he's watching? I don't know. The language you can do a lot with it, and it, it, I, I I don't know the answer. I think the important thing is what he's saying, what he's recording, what he's. Uh, What he's talking to us about. So he's in the spirit on the day of the Lord. He heard behind me a voice as a great trumpet. I am Alpha and Omega is what the voice said. So the voice is saying, the trumpet clarion call. uh, uh, What's a voice like a trumpet sound like? Uh, (laughs) Loud? Uh, Declarative? You know, like... Listen, sometimes when I say I don't know... You're going to have to live with it. The fact is, I don't. And if we want to be honest, the fact is, you don't really know either. A lot of this, he's going to use the word, like the simile language. Well, it was like, well, it wasn't that, but it was like that. Paul said, I went to heaven. I know this guy, whether in the body or out of the body, I can't say. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Paradise is what he's saying. Who saw things that was. He said it's unlawful to say. Was there a rule in Scripture that says you can't say what you saw when you were in heaven? No. He's saying it would be a crime if I try to explain it. John tries to explain it, and John is reduced to language. Well, it was kind of like this. I mean, how do you describe something you've never seen before? Or oh, has never happened? You're going you're to, you're well, you know, if you think about it like this, it was kind of like this. People who, like, have angelic visits, they, they commonly say, you know, it happens here on Earth. And they say, well, you know, it was kind of like an alternate. Uh, uh, the sky was blue, but it wasn't blue. It was like blue you never seen before. And I've heard that, like, theme over and over, like people have, do other angelic visits to people. Yeah, sometimes. We know that scripturally. That's not a That's nothing that has to, but that blue that's not quite blue, I've never seen it. What can I say about it? But I've heard enough people say it, so I'm thinking, there must be something to that. How do you explain a color that nobody's ever seen before? Kind of kinda like blue. Now, I offer that for what it's worth, okay? But this is where John is. He's trying to tell us things that, well, it's like this, it's like this. And the whole book is like that, so you have to just give him enough... He's he's doing the best he can. The voice said, and he didn't say like this, this is what he said. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Why those seven churches? You never heard of most of them outside this book. Colossae is right near... Laodicea. Paul wrote a letter to Col- You've heard of the Colossian church. Why isn't that included? Um, you know, when we're talking about Turkey, uh, well, actually, uh, it's not. Uh, I was going to say Syria. Um, Antioch is in Turkey. No, it's in Syria. But the, look at all the ver- churches he doesn't mention. Now, this is a A a postal route, ancient postal route, and they're like, the cities are like 30 or 50 miles apart, and they have a little, they're like a little semicircle going clockwise, going clockwise, okay? Uh, and and you can see them on a map. You can find them. You can find them on Google, Google Earth today, okay? Uh, but the reason he's picking out these seven churches, and they're seven complete, Okay, this involves Colossae, this involves the Roman church, the Jerusalem church. Does he write to the church in China? There is no church in China at this time, but there is now, and I bet it's a lot bigger than the church in the United States. And uh, here's the thing, this is all churches, all time, that's I think what the seven is, it's it's all churches, okay? And is there a letter here to the church of Calvary Chapel of Kennebec Valley in 20? 21 by the time we get there. Uh, I think so. I think so. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Is going to be a prominent theme when we get to those letters, but I won't get there unless I keep moving. He's writing to these seven churches, and they're symbolic, I think, of all the churches of all time. But let's keep moving. I turn to see the voice that spake with me, and behold, I turn and I saw seven candlesticks. Lampstands is better, okay? Um, in the midst of the seven, I'll say can't, I'll, candlesticks because it's here, but you understand, okay? It would have oil, it have a floating wick, you light the wick on fire, and it would consume the oil, and uh, eventually it would go out when the, all the oil was consumed. It's not a wax structure with a wick going down through it that melts and none of that, okay? That would come hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. At, 800 years or so after this writing, in my thinking, the way I understand it. In the midst of seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to his foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. and His feet like the fine brass as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth with a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Any questions? Good. We'll move on to the next uh, section here, right? No, this is kind of like the payoff. This is what we want. This is Jesus, okay? And we're going to find out a few things about him. Let's go to the book of Daniel. Daniel's interesting. Daniel chapter 10, and in verse 4, in the 4 and 20th year of the first month, I was... By the side of the great river, which is Hittakel. This is Daniel. By the way, he's the apoplo- apoplectic. <laughs> he has the apocalypse in the Old Testament. John in the New Testament. By the way, they're both called beloved. That something? Yeah. God loves you. He reveals more things to you. But both of these have visions that like, are unique to just them. We have one in the Old Testament. We have one in the New Testament. So he's, he's by the side of the great river, which is Hitachel. Okay, he's in, uh, Babylon during the captivity. Uh, he's serving under, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. At this point, we don't know because he served through several administrations and he had a long time, uh, in Babylon. He was there for like 70 years. He maybe, maybe even longer. He, he probably, he died in Babylon. Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of euphaz. His body also was like the barrel, his face as the appearance of lightning, his eyes as lamps of fire. This is very interesting. And his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw, uh, saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so they fled to hide themselves. So he, okay, let's just keep reading. Therefore I was left alone, saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. Like John, right? John passes out. I mean, he's when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And yet I heard the voice of his words. When I heard the voice of the words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my, my face to the ground. And behold, and hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my uh, hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for, thee, for unto thee am I now sent. You say, well, that's not Jesus. Jesus is sent. Jesus is the sender. He's not the sent one. I agree. I don't think it is Jesus. Same. It's awful similar. It's awful similar. Why don't you think it's Jesus? That? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Let's keep going. Uh, when he spoke in this word unto me, I stood trembling. He said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst send, set thy heart to understand, chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. You say, well, it still can be Jesus. I agree at this point. We don't know that any better. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Ah. Uh, uh, withstood me one in twenty days but lo, Michael the chief princes came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Jesus Christ doesn't need any help from Michael the archangel uh, unless there's something going on here that I don't understand about Jesus Christ when the prince of Persia obviously a demonic being resists this messenger from God can demons do that? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And then Michael shows up to give listen, Michael ain't showing up to give Jesus a hand, okay? I, just is is any fallen angelic being able to resist Jesus Christ for twenty one days? No. Listen, no. That's laughable to me. Unless he puts himself in such a situation that allows for that. When he became human, you says Satan took him up to that, you know, that the top of the temple. Was Jesus like okay? I'm going on top of the temple. Could he resist if he wanted to in his humanity? Well, I don't know. There's a lot of things we can talk about there and visit when when Jesus was a man. You know, but he he won when he battled Satan. You remember that? Was he limited in some ways? That I, I think he was. I said I think he set aside the prerogatives of his deity when he was in Judea. He wasn't in Samaria. When he was in Egypt, he wasn't even in the promised land. He was only one place at one time. Is he still like that? I don't think so. But again, we're, we're going to be treading on places we don't really even understand. You say, why'd you bring us here then? He's very much like Jesus, isn't he? Is he typologically Jesus Christ? You know, the, the one with the message. I, I don't know that. There's similarities. Are all heavenly beings like that? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want to go there but some people make this Jesus Christ and i think like yeah i i i guess i'd agree with that except for the prince of persia withstanding him successfully for 21 days mm, i'm not buying in now back to revelation but he's so we see this type of language and again like a lot of people don't stand the book of revelation because they don't know the old testament i'm, I'm I, I don't want to go on and on about that you say well i'm trying to learn I can't get it this week or next. I mean, it's going to take a while. I, I get it. I get it. I'll, I'll ease up, okay? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. It's everything you need to know. Let's keep moving. He was, he, he's in the midst of the seven candlesticks. Well, look at the seven candlesticks out of the seven churches. Where's Jesus in our midst? Listen, what? Two or three are gathered in my, in my name. I'm going to be right there in the midst. Is he here right now? Yes. I don't feel him. Well, he's here right now withholding to you a sense of his presence. He's here, because that's what Scripture tells us. And Scripture's always right. He's, he's in the middle of the seven candlesticks. He's one like unto the Son of Man. He, he loves that title of himself. What does it mean? Well, it means, typically, human being. That's what it means. Is it messianic? Well, when we look in the book of Daniel, it becomes messianic. But uh, all it means, for our understanding, is human being. You know Jesus shows up. And he says, I, "Look at look at me, the Son of Man." Like, isn't crazy? I got a body. I mean, if you want to think about it that way, and he's—I don't know if we understand this. Jesus Christ became a man. That was a one-way trip. Is he God now? He was always God. He was God before his humanity. He was God during his humanity. And he's not less than God now, but he's also human. At the right hand of Father God is a human being. His hair is white like wool. White is always a symbol of purity. Uh, It's White as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Does that mean he got real old, turned white, and his hair turned white? No. God is the Ancient of Days, but he's not old. In the sense of like he's getting older and when I get older I my, you know, I'm not as strong as I used to be, not as smart as I used to be, you know, as a lot of things I used to be. You know, getting old is no real benefit. God doesn't get old in the sense of aging. His hair is white like wool because that's the color he wants it to be. It's white as snow. His eyes are like a flame of fire, piercing. You think God the sun needs a flashlight? I gotta talk to people about, you know, they're living together, not married, right? Well, we're married in God's eyes. I think, ooh, don't say that. His eyes are like a flame of fire. Don't be talking about his eyes like you... Yeah, his eyes are like a flame of fire. He sees your wicked, desperate heart who wants, you know, to... Never mind. His eyes are like a flame of fire. Is that comforting to you or is that like a little bit scary? It should be both, my thinking. I never put over on him. I, he just sees through my subterfuge and all my foolishness. He gets to the heart of the matter all the time. I'm suffering. I'm. 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 Things are happening. Does he see me? Lord, are you paying attention to where I'm going through here? Am I paying attention? My thoughts, you are like by the sa- like the sea by the sand, uh, the, the seashore, the sand by the seashore. It's like without number. Like you think something's going on that he's like, oh, I didn't. Thanks for praying. I didn't realize that. Oh, I'm so glad you, you looped me in on what's going on in your life. He has eyes like a flame of fire. There's no darkness that would prevail against that, and he's all knowing, he's all seeing. There's nothing we can add to his knowledge. His feet like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace. Now we have a problem. It's the only time in literature, not just the New Testament, but it's and, and so they, they, they talk about fine brass burnished in a, a furnace. Um, I have an idea of the furnace part. We know that, okay? His feet, whatever happened, they were in a furnace. Furnaces speak scripturally of affliction. That's when the, you know, the three lads were thrown into the fiery furnace. By the way, I think that's a picture of the tribulation. What happened? Uh, one like the Son of Man showed up. Are they a picture of Israel in the tribulation? Yeah. How'd they get there? They didn't bow down to a statue. <laughs> said, oh, wait a second. These things are starting to take shape in my thinking a little bit. Yeah, they will as we go on. Jesus was in the furnace of affliction. He 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 is the judge and he knows what he's judging. Well, Jesus, you know what the pro- your whole problem is? You're way up there in your little ivory tower. You don't know what it's like being a human being. You don't know what it's like being me. He's like, mm, wrong answer. Feet glowing. Um, it kind of t- harks back to 1 Corinthians 3, where we're going to be judged before the beam of seed of Christ. All the stuff's burn- going to burn up. Is, he, is his feet like wool? Uh, wood, I mean, hay or stubble? No. Are they like. Metal that all the impurities have been. Not that he had any impurities, but his firmness makes him capable of judging. His voice is the sound of many waters. You've been Niagara Falls. You've been to a place where you know water is cascading, or how many even by the ocean where you have to almost like you're between the wind and the waves. You have to yell to be heard. To try to argue with Niagara Falls, I think it's 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 awe-inspiring. It's uh, uh, you know when when he speaks, it's like that's all there is to it. Is 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 voice that that trumpet voice, that clarion call, that that clarity, that awesomeness. You know, Psalm says, you know, when God speaks. The 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 hinds of the field calf they they have their babies they're like it's like you know taking all the calcium out of your spine God speaks and it's like Whoa, find me a place to hide but that's the voice of God that's how it is if you are, uh, understand God for who He is you'll you'll perceive that to be correct He had in His right hand seven stars we'll talk about that we'll we'll put that on the back burner for a second out of His mouth went a sharp two edged sword now that's just Hebrews and we should go there. We're going to go over a few minutes, but you're going to be okay with that. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For well, the word of God is quick. It means it's alive. Hebrews four twelve. The word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, to the joints and marrow, It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Awesome. Awesome the word of God is. It's powerful. It's it's alive. Is it alive to you? Is it powerful? You know what happens sometimes. Uh, and by the way, it's a big old clumsy sword. It's not a it's not a scalpel. When I use it, wield it, and try to cut, I get as cut as I cut. You know, I'm trying. People say like, "Oh my goodness, that that, that really spoke to my heart." What they're saying is the Word of God cut me to the quick. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I'm, not, I'm not a surgeon. I'm, I'm, i got, I got this big sword, and I'm using it uh, to perform surgery. Well, kind of, but the first surgery happens on me. Why? Because it's two-edged. It's not like I'm, I'm pointing the, the sharp edge at you, because it, it, it's right back at me. I, I tell you before, there are times when I've like been teaching, and if I give an altar call, I'll be the first one here. Why? Because I'm not above the Word of God. It's, it's sharp, it's powerful, it's living. Well, it's sharp and powerful and living in my life, too. And it can cut. It's a discerner of the thoughts of the heart. Because I'm thinking, like, no, nah, I'm cool. I'm the, and the Word of God, you know, verse comes to my mind, saying, oh, I'm not so cool as I thought. It can cut between that which is soulish and that which is spiritual. That's what it says right here in the verse. You know what I think about, like, you know what I need? I need a psychologist. I'm really in a bad way, and if I just need to talk with somebody, and you know what the problem with psychology is? They can't cut between what's spiritual and what's soulish. They don't know the difference. They don't even know if you have a soul. You know, psych, uh, psychologist, soul, doctor. I'm the doctor of something I'm not even sure exists. <laughs> How am I going to go about curing you? Funny, right? I mean, it almost is. But what, the, what a psychologist, and I'm not, you know, God bless them. If they're helpful and they help you, wonderful, great. Here's the problem. The Word of God always can cut to the quick. It always can. I'm just going to keep disobeying, keep disobeying, keep disobeying. It's a bad place to be. It'll it'll catch up with me. This whole thing is about Jesus Christ being judged. Let's keep going. He was clothed with a garment down to the foot. Back in verse 13, that I skipped. Authority. He's got a robe, right? Wearing pants. No, he's got a robe on. He's down on the foot. Now, people want to say high priest, and people want to say these are kingly robes, something like this. I don't think so. For my first blush, I look at that and I say, Judge. In, our, in our, the way we think, judges still wear robes. It's a sign of their authority. He's. Gird about the paps with a golden girdle. It says sash. Don't think like vertical. Think kind of horizontal. Some say, well, that's the ephod of the high. priest. I don't think it's the ephod. You know, it had the, like the stones, the breastplate that you know the high priest wore. I don't think he's being a high priest. Here. I think he's being the judge. I think that's the that's the whole thing about the revelation. Jesus Christ is moving out as judge, and the Christ rejecting world is he's got his sights on him. Those, with those eyes like a flame of fire, and people say, "Well, that, that's a kind of a really scary." Yeah, I think you got it right. I think you got it right. I remember, a lady telling me, "Well, who's this person with his eyes like a flame of fire?" I said, that was Jesus Christ. She goes, oh, that's scary. I said, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good theology." <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> you know, you got it right. First time out, sis, doing good. Anyway, uh, let's keep moving. Um, I saw. Uh, he has this sharp two-edged sword. He speaks the word of God, right? And he was as the sun that shineth in the strength. In uh, Daniel, it was like lightning, right? Here, I think it harks back to the the transfiguration. The, you know, when he's on the uh, the mount, we call it the Mount of Transfiguration, and he's shining like the sun. They couldn't even look at him. Uh, he was so. He was so. Uh, and I think I think that's what God looks like, light. We see that often in scripture. It's good. Try to build a statue of light, you know, because I think it precludes idolatry. But God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. We read that in first uh, first John. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. I I don't know what else to say about that, except it seems to me yeah, <laughs> I would. This is John who leans on his breast during the Last Supper. Jesus isn't in his humanity anymore. He's in his deity, and it's awe-inspiring. It's like, oh, excuse me, i got to fall down right now. Where's a good piece of earth for me to collapse? Eminently, eminently reasonable. Because I, I talk to people, some like, well, I get up there, I'll give him a piece of my mind. You, no, 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 no. You can't spare it. Two, he doesn't need it. Three, you're going to be hugging ground. And that's, I don't care if you're the servant of the Lord like John. Do you think you're going to be all there, bold as butter? I think we're going to have a face to feet encounter with God. And I absolutely expect that I'm going to be just like this. He laid his right hand upon me, saying to me, Fear not. Awesome. I'm the first and the last. Why is that important? How is there before you even showed up? I, I see what's gonna how it's gonna be at the end. Um, I'm not done with you. He's like, I'm the first and the last. I'm he that liveth and was dead. Share that with your Jehovah's Witness friends. God died, and he did. I'm alive forevermore. Only one time. People would kill him if they could. You know, we all wearing the bracelets. WWJD? What would Jesus do? You know, back along we we're doing that. Others were too. We want Jesus dead is what it stood for with them. Yeah, that's that's bold. Uh, will he? Will you kill him? No, they will try. We'll we can look at that when we get look at the second coming of Jesus. They'll try will they be successful not so much i i was i was dead what what about now i'm alive forevermore i just i only needed to go through death once why why do you need to go through death amen and have the keys of hell and of death now that tells us everything we need to know about death 10 foot tall and bulletproof my god has the keys to hell and to death you say death well hell there means hades I don't care if it's the place, of the abode of the dead, hell itself, where the, the, the lake of fire, whatever you want to make it, Jesus Christ holds the keys. I died, I'm alive, I'm never going to die again. Oh, heaven and hell and all that and death. I got the keys right here. Is Satan going to just kill us? Oh my goodness, he's going to kill us. Not before your time. You'll die on time, I will too. Uh, he, would if he could, but he can't? So here I am, 10 foot tall and bulletproof in the hand of the Lord. Nothing's going to happen to me today. And then when I finally die, I'll be in his presence. I always say this all the time. Could people threaten you, I'll kill you. What else you got? That it? You're going to send me home to be with Jesus? Don't threaten me with a good time. My God has the keys. This is awesome. This is so awesome. I have the keys of hell and death. Well Satan, he has he's got he's been defanged. He's got nothing. He's got so nothing. Write the things which I was seen, the things which are, the things which shall be hereafter. It's a threefold uh, division of the book. If you want to outline, this is the outline of the things which are. is chapter 1, the things which, which you have seen are chapter 1, the things which are, chapters 2 and 3, and the rest of the book are the things which shall be hereafter. Metatauta in the Greek. They're time words, after these things. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. We're, we're, we're almost there, okay? Just hang in with me. After this I looked and behold a door. After what? After the church age. Chapters 2 and 3. After this, MetaTauta. And we'll see all several places in the book where it says Meta After this, then this happened. 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 What are we what are we talking about? The book is chronological. And he just told us that. And if we appreciate that, so much of it is so much easier to understand. People are trying to jumble everything and put, you know, we're in the tribulation right now because, you know, when that uh uh meteor falls and it turns the you know water. It's made bitter. Uh, the word is wormwood, and of course in Ch- uh, Chernobyl in uh, Ukrainian means wormwood. So we're in the tribulation now. And no, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. You'll know. You'll know. You'll be watching it from the mezzanine, and I think I can prove that in chapter four, verse one. But we'll we'll say that to when we get there. The, the most important things for our learning, I think, is in chapter 2 and chapter 3. I think that's going to be the most helpful, I, although this is very helpful too. Write these things, and now, last verse. The mystery of the seven stars of our is in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. Mystery is something that has been mysterious up till now, and now I'm going to reveal it. That's what a mystery is in Scripture. Now he's going to reveal what the mystery is. Because you say he's got seven stars. You say, what is that? I don't know what that is. You say, I guess, Kevin's seven candlesticks. What is that? I don't know what that is. And when John's looking at it, he, he sees these symbolic things, and he doesn't know what they are. They are seven stars, and they are, they're not like stars, they not like candlesticks, but they are. And But what do they mean? What are they symbolic of? Ah, Jesus is going to tell us, and we don't need to guess. This is, let this be a lesson to all of us. Please don't guess. He'll tell us here, he'll tell us in a chapter before it or after it, or he'll tell us somewhere else in the book. And if we can't find it anywhere, so we haven't found it yet, or he just hasn't revealed it yet, But don't guess and fill in the blanks. One of the problems is once I've made up my mind about something and I get a new idea comes in, it's hard to shift it because I already made up my mind. So we don't know, but here we know a little bit (laughs) because even now there's debate. The mystery of the seven stars, which are SARS in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Any questions? So we have an angel of this church? I'd like to think so. How cool would that be? You know, how about like whole angels like floating around here and just taking care of us and making sure no evil befalls us? You think that's true of scripture? I think they're ministering spirits. They're sent to help those of us who have saved. Do you have a, a particular guardian angel? Did you bring him with you this morning? I don't know all these things. I kind of almost think that's, that's the way it is, but I don't know it for sure. But I don't think that's what he's talking about. I say, what do you mean? It's angels right there. Angelos means messengers. And it can be angels, as we would understand. There's a lot of angels in this book. This is the book of angels in the book of the Revelation. But I think he's talking to messengers. What do you mean? The seven pastors of these seven churches. Well, that's what I'd like to believe anyway. So why do you think that? I have a hard time Would Jesus would write a letter to an angel. Here you go, angel. <laughs> you write a letter to somebody because, one, they have to be able to read it, right? And two, they don't have instant recall. Wouldn't Jesus just speak to an angel? There's no other place in Scripture where he writes to an angel. But he could. It could be an angel in the sense that we think angel, right? Angelic being, heavenly host, angel. And if you want to believe that, that's fine. You're not a heretic, okay? And feel free. All through this very, a lot of times we're taking some educated guesses here. Feel free to disagree. You'll be perfectly fine. Doesn't make you or I a heretic. I like to think the letters are to the pastors, the messengers of the seven churches, and that's who will actually physically receive them. And that messenger will read them, communicate them to his his candlestick, his church the seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which are says are the seven churches is that important to us jesus is in the midst of the candlesticks where's he right now i tell you he's in our midst is that worship worthy <laughs> is that something that wants to make you pour your heart out and just praise well let's do it let's what are we waiting for Why don't we come on up let's praise his holy name listen if you feel like you want to pass out from all this i i, I if you don't, you know why? Because my word pictures aren't good enough. When you actually see him, the real deal, it'll be a, it'll be a worship time. It will, it will definitely be. Let's stand. Let's, uh, let's pray. Let's go out of here singing. Father, we thank you for your word. What a blessing to know Jesus in a way that we haven't hitherto known him. We're going to see him judged. We're going to see him be the righteous judge. It comforts our hearts, know, Lord, that all iniquity, all sin, all subterfuge, all falsehood will be the the scales will balance out and truth will out. And in the age of deceit that we live in, Lord, we look forward to that. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.